three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the four-part Ninja Quest from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 3 is one of the hosts of Always Hold On to Arrow, Lance Laster. Lance, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Oh, my pleasure. This is your first time on this show, although you joined me on Digging for Kryptonite when we did our little backdoor pilot for this podcast. We talked about mm-hmm. JLA Power Rangers, and it was a great way to sort of tee up this podcast, and I'm happy to have you on here to talk about this Ninja Quest arc. When I introduced you, I thought you were going to channel your inner ninja and say, uh, have no fear, Lance is here. Well, I, 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 th- I thought about doing something like that, and I also thought about doing the voice, the ninja, um, but that just takes too much energy. <laughs> Yo, the voice is so hard. Look, I, I don't mean to toot my own horn. I think I'm, I'm decent at impressions and voices and stuff. Not an expert mm-hmm. by any stretch at all, but I, I can channel a few different things. I cannot do that voice. It is, it, I mean, you actually did a great job right now, but I'm like, I guess I was trying, I was like, oh, that would be fun to kind of like, you know, take that out for a spin, but nah, it's hard. That's a hard one to kind of, kind of wrap my head around. Yeah. It, it's a hard one. Like Zordon's is kind of easy. Alpha's is easy. Rita's is easy. Zed's easy. Ninja's hard. Yes. So we'll definitely be talking about Ninja. This of course is the arc early on in season three that gave the Rangers their ninja powers, ninja outfits, and new ninja zords. Shortly after kids across the country had seen this happen on the big screen in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. But as we talked about in our last episode, very interestingly, that movie existed in its own little pocket of continuity, not canon to the ongoing television show. Before we like fully dive into the Ninja Quest arc, again, as much as we talked about the movie, let me toss it to you because I would love to just kind of get a sense of you at that point in time, right? Summer of 95, you see the movie and then we're heading into this third season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Just like, what is your, what is your mindset as a Power Rangers fan at that time? What's, what's the excitement? What's, what's going on? And like in 95? Yeah. Um, it's, to be quite honest, it's probably no, no different than that it was, than it is now. Like, I'm, like, I'm here for it, right? Like, I was ready to go. When, they, when I found out there was a movie, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, this is, this is going to be so awesome. Like, my favorite show is going to be have a movie. This is going to be great. Um, I can't wait to see what they do. Um, and, and also, I think, wasn't this the same summer that, like, Space Jam came out? So it's, like, all my favorite things, like, were, were happening here. I hear you. And not to rehash the, the episode that we just did a couple of weeks ago, but what was your reaction to the movie? Was it everything you wanted it to be? Were you happy with it? I was happy with it. I don't, I can't remember if I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. I think I was happy with it. And I think I was just pleased that, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, just total garbage like they didn't like they didn't Mar- super mario brothers it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like I, i'm glad that they didn't do that uh looking back on it with older eyes i was like yeah it's it, it's 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 obviously not the greatest thing but at the same time it's so power rangers like it's it's it is what it is and that's that's what it needed to be 
Um, and also the soundtrack still slaps. Yes. And that's the thing, you know, regardless of whatever limitations or, or missteps the movie might have, it leaves you with a great feeling. You got that Van Halen playing. You're watching the fireworks. The iconic, it's great. The iconic ending. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And like the, the, you know, the cool slash sad part about that is like, you know, when, when Eddie Van Halen died, right. Um, we were like every, most people like on Twitter and stuff were sharing the ending of, of Power Rangers. They're just like, this was like as great as, as great as he was, right. As, as, as a musician, like for a lot of people, this was their introduction to that band and, and him. And it's through this iconic ending. Everybody's like, yeah, this was, this was, this was it. Leaving theater in 95. You're like, yeah, this is great. Like, cause the song was, it was the perfect song choice. You got Kimberly and Tommy, everybody was shipping that. Like everybody in the world was shipping that. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just good stuff. You got the little kid, Fred, you're like, this kid's going to be a new ranger. It's, it's great. Uh-huh. I mean, never to be yeah, seen again, but <laughs> never to be seen again. <laughs> but for that moment, for that summer, it's, it's amazing. And so we head into season three of Mighty Morphin and I did not rewatch these, but it starts with this three part arc that introduces Masked Rider, who would go on to get yeah. his own show. I remember watching Masked Rider as a kid. Did you? I'm sure you watched that too. Yeah. Ectophase activate. <laughs> I wish I remembered more of it. I remember very little. Like, I remember watching it. Like, I remember it was a thing. I was like, Masked Rider. And I remember the toys, of course. I remember the cycle. Yeah. And everything. I had uh-huh. that. But I, I, if, you had a, if you asked me, like, for a million dollars, like, describe the plot of an episode, I'm like, <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. I, I, see, I can't remember details i remember certain things specific things i remember the transformation sequence i remember the bike i remember the crossover episodes with other uh sentai related properties and that's pretty much it yes so there was that but then i feel like really season three kicked off in earnest with this four four part arc ninja quest now i I can't remember what i thought about this at the time the sense that we had a movie that gave them ninja powers but now it's happening again in a different way on the show. I mean, I definitely would not or could not have articulated it as, oh, they're separate continuities. The movie's not canon. Like, I definitely wasn't thinking about it in those terms. I can't even really remember much of what my reaction to that piece of it was. I think I, I just kind of mm-hmm. went with it, but I'm sure there was yeah. some sort of sense of like, oh, okay, they're separate. But do you remember that piece of it? I remember being confused as to why Ivan Ooze was nowhere around. Um, and I remember like asking for that or waiting to see if he was going to ever show up. And then we just never got it. And I think I just was like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, when I got older, I realized it's like, oh, well, these are, there's, there's a whole business behind this. And so they couldn't use them for whatever reason, right? The same reason why we couldn't have certain things in other properties, right? Like, uh, and like, I understood that just as, as somebody who's like a fan of this, this type of stuff. Like I, like I, I, I get it. Um, there you know, some people out there don't understand why, you know, um, you know, the Fantastic Four can't show up in a Superman movie, right? Like, there, there are people out there that legit don't understand that. And, like, so, uh, in, for a lesser example, like, I, like, I understand, like, I understand that reason, right? <laughs> because they're from two different things. And in this case, I understood that, like, they're, there are just certain things that were that were separate. They made a, Hollywood made a movie, it was not affiliated with the TV show. The TV show had to do their own thing to explain the new stuff. Well, look, you and I and fellow Smallville fans, we spent 10 years hoping but knowing yep. that Bruce Wayne was never going to show up. And that's all within the same <laughs> corporate umbrella, but it was it's true. a restriction. 
<laughs> and, and you know, in, in true, in true, instead of giving you Ivan News, we'll give you Ninjor and, and and Rito. WB gave us, well, we can't have Batman, so we're going to give you the next best thing. We're going to give you Oliver Queen. They made it work. They made it work. Yep. <laughs> I have to say, I was struck by, I guess, I mean, a, a bunch of things, but I, two two big picture things in rewatching Ninja Quest. And I mean, I haven't watched these episodes in almost 30 years. I mean, I, it's been forever mm. since I looked at these four episodes. But I guess the first thing is I was actually, I was saying to myself, you know, it's actually somewhat remarkable that they even did this arc because they could have gotten away with not, right? Like yeah. the, the, the arc begins with them uh, in this intense volleyball game on the beach. And they could have very easily at the end of the game been like, oh man, that was a tough game. Almost as tough as that summer we had going up against Ivan yeah. News and getting these new powers. And we would have just gone along with it because they, they end the movie and they end the arc in the same place. They've got the ninja powers, the costumes, the zords. Mm-hmm. The day is saved. The command center is fine. So it's to their credit. I mean, I do give them credit, right, for actually taking the time to tell it within the context of their ongoing narrative. I do, too. Um, and it's so crazy that, like, again, like, I always have to give credit to the writers for 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 for, for Power Rangers, for, you know, and the work that they had to do to make this show because they had to create the stories out of the footage. Right. They had to they, like they like they had all they had was footage. And they had to create stories and, you know, characters, character develop, develop characters from all that stuff. They like, I don't think people really realize how difficult a task that they were given to do any of this stuff. And as to your point, they easily could have just showed up and like immediately had the ninja stuff and nobody would have been the wiser and no one would have cared. And everybody would have been like, yeah, cool. But yeah, because and, and the easiest explanation is like it happened in the movie. Like you just go watch the movie. Like if you didn't see it in, in theaters, go rent it at Blockbuster. Like you can go like you can figure it out. Right. It's, it's fine. And people would have been like, oh, OK, cool. Like, you can just write it off. But, you know, they decided to do something here now partly you know they they got to sell toys right and they also have <laughs> and they also have the sentai footage of this ninja character um and you know he just got to got to roll like well not oh, let's see i can't remember was ninja sentai or was he american made because a lot of season 3 stuff was okay yeah so a lot cuz a lot of season 3 stuff was was american stuff cuz because they ran out um which is i think is hilarious <laughs> um so so yeah so they had the sentai footage of him and they had sentai footage of, of Rito right and so it's like so they got to they got to figure out how to do stuff and so they did yes no that's the thing I, they they made it work and uh, this i think has be, has become somewhat of a theme on this podcast as we've been rewatching these old mighty morphin episodes i've had the same takeaway exactly what you just expressed of Again, I think it's easy to look at this, especially with adult modern eyes and, and look for the seams and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, take a step back. They were working within the confines of of the footage they had. And that's it's yeah. no easy task. So uh, more than anything. And, you know, very recently we talked about the power transfer and how they had all these episodes where half the cast mm-hmm. was missing and they had to work yes. around it. And, I, you know, not not to, again, re- repeat what we talked about there, but. It's like it would have been so easy to just kind of shove Rocky, Adam, and Aisha in there as the new Rangers in an episode or two, but they took mm-hmm. they took the time to actually let you get used to them being in the picture. Being and then they took over. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm a, I, I, that's the thing. I one of the biggest things in revisiting this, and I know you've remained a, a fan of the f- franchise and you've been following it. Whereas for me, it's been more you know since I stopped watching, kind of more in the background, something I look back on fondly, but wasn't active in. But now that I've been mm-hmm. back in it again. 
Uh, that's been one of the things that I keep coming back to. I was like, no, this is really, really pretty amazing what they were able to pull off. I, yeah. And that's the thing. I hope people always uh, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do too, because, because you have to like, you, you have to do your best with what you're given. And sometimes you're not given the best, you're not given the best hand. Um, again, they were given footage, like, and they probably didn't have any translations for anything. They were probably just told, like, in 1990, 1991, when Saban was trying to pitch all this stuff, he was just like, figure it out. Like, here's a general premise, but figure it out. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Now, so the other thing that that was interesting was how I – and I want to get your take. I mean, I felt like they struck a nice balance between telling their own story in Ninja Quest while at the same time, on a macro level – really hitting the same major beats as the movie, right? We have a new antagonist, mm-hmm. not Ivan Ooze. In this case, it's Rito Revolto, brother of Rita. And uh-huh. we have the pow- the Rangers losing their powers and the command center in disarray. Now, of course, on the show, it's not nearly as dramatic as in the movie where Ivan Ooze is tearing yeah. up the place and Zordon's in his turtleneck, you know, lying mm-hmm. there on the, you know, <laughs> on the, on the base of the tube and all of that. But you know, though, you know, the, the, the same uh, setup is in place. And then the Rangers are sent on this quest. So we're not on an alien planet. We're in the desert of despair, but they're wandering around, right? They're looking for uh, this new power source in a temple. And yes, instead of Dulcia, we have Ninjor. Uh, and yeah. we actually get some interesting backstory into how the Rangers' powers were created in the first place, which I thought was very mm-hmm. interesting. And when Adam asked that question of Zordon, I was sitting there, I had forgotten that this ever really came up in the show. And I was like, thank <laughs> you. Like, it took this long for one of them to ask, like, where'd our powers come from? Amazing. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's very cool, that, like, you know, that you have this, you know, this mystic somewhere who channels the morphin energy into these coins and all this and all this other stuff and is able to, you know, transfer and give power, uh, you know, from straight from the source. Um, it, it's pretty cool. It's, it's very star Warsy, right? Like, you know, they go on this, they go on this quest, they find this eccentric, uh, eccentric mentor who, who partakes wisdom. It's, it's like, again, it hits all the, all the beats that you would think that it should hit in all these stories. Right. Um, you know, I, I get on the, a soapbox a lot about like when people talk about things being formulaic, right? <laughs> and like uh, something I say all the time is everybody steals each other's plays, all right? So like there's <laughs> there's whole, there's originality out there, but there's not a whole lot of originality because everything kind of falls into only a few sort of sort of categories. And for stories like this, there is a, there is a recipe for how to make it, right? The characters may change, names and faces may change, but you're going to hit the same beats in all of these things, right? Just as like you know. We wake up every single day. We have a breakfast, lunch, and a dinner, right? We get up, go to bed. We have we fall in the same routine. Uh, so when people t- say or you know use formulaic things or formulaic, especially this type of stuff, like genre stuff, as a criticism, I say it's invalid because everything is. <laughs> it's true. Look, and Smallville comes up uh, on all of my podcasts, I guess, in some way, shape, or form. Great really- show. We've already referenced it, and I'll reference it again, because especially in those early seasons, right, there was always a lot of criticism of the freak of the week formula, as it was called. Yeah. And and it's like, but I think that the, the the formula, the repetition, whatever you want to call it, it it allows you to sort of, you know, I think build up a, a comfort with the show. You settle in and and you get to know the characters. And, and what I always say in defense it's, of Smallville with that is like there was so much great character stuff and, and interpersonal dynamics going on that, you know, the backdrop is there to kind of give you a little bit of an engine for the episode, right? And allow Clark to mm-hmm. show off his powers. But, uh, you know, you you were getting, I think, what 
what the most important piece of it was the the the, the personal component. So yeah, it works. Yeah, it's it's the same reason why Law and Order has been on for. 30 years at this point, right? They do the exact same. They've been doing the exact same thing for like 30 years. No one complains. Yeah, it's true. No, for sure. So, so that's the thing. I mean, we definitely had our Power Rangers formula. And, and like I said, I mean, I think really mirroring the major big picture uh, beats of the movie again, you know, kind of on that macro level. Yeah. Well, also the fact that like this is four episodes also because like it, it fits about the same length of time if you really think about it because 22 minutes times four, that's about what the movie is. And because um, when I was, you know, re- like revisiting this, I was like, I forgot that this was a four-parter. I thought this was a three-parter because a lot of season three is like a, a three-parters, right? You have the Mass Rider thing. You got the uh, uh, Kim leaving. You got the metallic stuff. Um, there's a couple others in there. I think there's also the Wild West is in here, right? Um, that might that, have been the end of two. two. I think that's the end of season okay. two. It's so crazy. Um, and then of course, and then the, the Aquatar stuff, which is sixth thing, right? So it's like it's a double, it's a double three parter. So uh, there's lots of uh, they really milked it for all it's worth at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of their run here with Mighty Morphin. But it's true. And yeah, that's true. And making it four episodes, you know, it definitely had, and you know, like last night I sat down, I watched them all in a row and it definitely had that, uh, you know, that, that movie feel to it, to it, you know, not as cinematic as the actual movie was, but it, it, it did what it needed to do. And, uh, I mean, how fondly or how well, how well, how fondly did you remember it? And how did the rewatch sort of compare to your, your memories of this arc? Um, I think I was bored in in the questing part part like I was just kind of ready for them to get to Ninjor like you could really tell that they were like really stretching this stuff out um and uh and then there are certain things that I just remember like that like that like I vividly remember like the the ceremony of them getting their powers right the first time that we see the ninja swords but the one the most iconic thing from the stretch though it's from the 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 footage for the during the theme song in in season three and it's kim screaming when when the zords uh are destroyed that is it like it's an iconic shot it's almost as i gotta mention smallville again it's almost as iconic as the mace to the face that clark gets it's kim screaming (laughs) (laughs) like no when the when the zords are going she like amy joe gave it her all in that um (laughs) which it's just like you know what good for you girl like (laughs) giving her all of this kid show that her giant robot just got destroyed right (laughs) yeah no that is true that that (laughs) yeah that one definitely stood out and you know kind of on the note of that as much as you know we've been singing the praises of the movie and and again for fans of the franchise i think it's it's so much fun but there were a couple of things we got here that I think we're, you know, we're, we're more effective than what we saw in the movie. And what I, you know, probably first and foremost was actually seeing the destruction of the Zords at the hands of Rita Revolto and the other monsters that ambush the Rangers. I mean, that was, that was pretty, like you literally see the Zords breaking apart. That was pretty intense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. Like the the other times in the past where they've lost or like the, like the Zords were, you know, decommissioned or they were, they were in in disrepair. It was never like that. Like, this is like, oh, like, like they're done. Like this is, this is it. And, and of course, like, you know, it's the whole power scaling thing that happens in these things, right? Like, you know, the dinosaurs, they, they don't use those anymore. Like they had to transform into the Thunderzords and the Thunderzords are supposed to be like, this is the new power, right? Um, and then they're like utterly destroyed. It's just like, oh, well, what can, like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> what, what's going to happen now? Right. Uh, it's like, they're going to like, these dudes are going to need swords. How are they going to get these? Uh, and they, we haven't gotten to the point where they can just build their own yet. 
that's coming, but it's, uh, but you know, and, and honestly, it's coming in, in like a season, right? Like they're, they're building their own stuff in Zeo, which I think is crazy. Billy built, built the Zeo Zords. Like, uh, but anyway, I digress. But um, yeah, like the Zords being destroyed is something we never we didn't see in the movie, right? Because of course everybody was like, "Man, it'd be cool to see the Thunder Zords on, on the movie." But it's like, nope, we only have the budget to do one giant robot thing, and that's going to be at the end. <laughs> you don't get two. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, in the movie, they're they're fighting, right? They're morphed while Ivan Ooze is tearing up the command center, mm-hmm. and then they lose their powers at the end of the fight and they demorph and, and that's it. But like you said, you never see their, uh, you know, the thunder swords. And so I, I think this really, you know, kind of raised the stakes, uh, in a pretty visceral way, you know, seeing it mm-hmm. un- unfold like that. I mean, it was a little, a little nebulous, I guess, as far as what, I guess just Rito and these other monsters were so strong that, uh, alpha and Zordon just had to tax the power, the power core beyond yeah. its limits. And it just sort of all, all fell apart. The Zords and their, I mean, their entire power source was gone. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of nuts. Also, they didn't even use Tor, right? Like no Ultra Zord in this. They just used the Megazord and Tiger Zord, but it's like, dang y'all. Yeah, that was it. Oh yeah. Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw yeah! Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store, Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Thank you to all members of my Patreon community for supporting this podcast. If you like what you hear and are not a member yet, please consider signing up today at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. We offer a variety of monthly reward tiers, and discounted annual memberships are available too. Beginning at the $1 level, you can listen to Digging for Justice, my exclusive DC Movie Rewatch podcast. Click the link in the show notes for more. If you're looking for other ways to support the show, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast goes a long way and only takes a second. You're also welcome to join the conversation on social media via the links in the show notes. Last but not least, we are an affiliate of BCW Supplies, so the next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP to save 10% on your order. That's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions. It helps support the show too. Thank you. So I guess circling back to, to the beginning of the episode, and we don't have to go, you know, uh, scene by yeah. scene or episode by episode. But, you know, we open on this, uh, you know, intense volleyball game on the beach and, and Ernie promises lunch to the winner. And then he's like, everyone gets lunch at my new, uh, my new outdoor cafe. You know, I was thinking about, this might sound silly, but I was thinking about just the, the, the business economic side of, of the youth center, the Angel Grove Youth Center. Mm-hmm. What was the deal with that? Like, did Ernie own the entire youth center? I think he did own it. 
I'm curious. I think that was like yeah. his, that was his thing. I know in the comics, they show like some flashbacks to, you know, like Zach going there for the first time, like when it, when it opened, like when he was a young kid. And I think it was just, it's, you know, basically it's a lot like what a boys and girls club is nowadays. That's what, that's what I always uh, likened it to. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Like it's the angel Grove angel Grove, you know, community youth center. It's just where kids go to do whatever it is that they're doing. Like this is, Ernie, Ernie, Ernie runs the place. This is what it is. And it's like, okay, cool. And nobody really messes with it. Right. Cause it's, I mean, you're, you know, a real jerk face if you mess with a place like that. Right. Like both in fictional world and in real life, like, come on now. That's true. Well, cause he talks about now opening his outdoor cafe and yeah, I mean, I was clearly overthinking this, but I was just like, is this, is this state sponsored in any way? Is, does he have a grant? Is it all just him? And cause then I'm thinking it makes sense that all right now he has this cafe because if it's primarily a juice bar, I mean, is he charge? are these kids paying any kind of dues? I know they have classes there, but it's like the kids themselves teaching karate classes. Like what, what's the business model? I think, I think, I think this is something that like, that like the city like has to, has to fund. And I think has given him a grant to do. And I think he makes a little bit off of some things, right? But I think everything else is like volunteer, right? I don't think like when Jason was teaching a karate class, I don't think Jason would get paid. I think Jason was volunteering to do that. Uh, and everything, all the other activities that go over there, I think those are, um, those are volunteer stuff. Now, when the, like when the, the school hosted functions there, like I think that, um, I think that, you know, whatever school district Angel Grove is like Angel, Angel Grove school district, like, you know, paid like a fee to, 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 to do whatever. And, and honestly, if I'm like, if I had to put like my real world cap on Ernie is like a teacher. Right. And like, and the youth center is connected some kind of way to Angel Grove high school. Uh, and like, this is just, it's just a spit, an offshoot of it. Right. And so he is employed, Ernie is employed by, you know, Angel Grove or, or, or the city, right. To run this place. And I think that's what it is. Honestly. I like that. I like that. I, and I love the analysis. I'm on board with it. I, I guess I was worried about Ernie. It's like, I just want to make sure he's making yeah. a buck here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, speaking of Ernie, quick, quick question. Do you think Ernie knows that they're the Power Rangers? I think, look, my head canon always, and I know the, the continuity doesn't support this, but in my mind, Perry White knows Clark is Superman. Jim Gordon knows Bruce is bad. Like, they're just cool about it. And I feel like it's the same thing with Ernie and the Rangers. What about you? I... 100% agree. And I was going to use those two other things as examples as well, because there's no way, there's no way that Jim Gordon detective, right? Like, and, and as cool as he is and everything doesn't know that it's Bruce Wayne. He just doesn't care. Right. Uh, same thing, same thing with, with Perry. Perry's a journalist, an investigative journalist who has like was in the game for a long time. And then, and is an editor, just because he's an editor does not mean that he does not have those journalistic juices flowing. He totally knows who he is. Totally knows. He just acts ignorant of it. Um, and I think the same thing of Ernie. I think so too. Like you can buy that bulk and skull can't put it together. Right. But er, of course, yeah. Ernie knows. I, yeah, I know. I, I'm totally on board with, with Ernie knowing. All right. Ernie knows Ernie's making a comfortable living running the youth center. I, I feel, yeah. I feel better. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we also have, you know, this is a, you know, I forget exactly when, when Billy's glow up started, but I feel like it's, it's fully, <laughs> fully completed by this point. I mean, this guy's buff. He's the glasses are gone. He's in the, you know, the cutoff shirts. It's like, this guy looks amazing. Well, here's the thing. David Yost always looked like that. It's just, we got to this season. He's like, yeah, I'm not wearing the super baggy stuff. Like I'm not doing any of that anymore. I'm going to look cool. And 
people are like, all right, cool. And it's like, it, it, it was one of the first times where it's just like, oh, like you can be a nerd and look cool. Like that's like, that is a possibility. Right. And it was like, and it took like season three, Billy and Dwayne Wayne about this time in a different world. Like, like, but the, toward the end of the run of a different world, which is like the mid nineties to, to, for people to kind of understand that, um, and and, which is, which is so crazy because if you think, because if you think about like the other nerds of the nineties, like it was the stereotypical stuff. It was like all the Urkel stuff. Right. Um, Dwayne Wayne was like that on a different world for most of the show until like he got married and then went to grad school. And then he was like wearing like these like dapper suits and stuff and had this cool, like over the shoulder bag. And it's like, Oh, well actually he's cool. Even though he's like, you know, like a math teacher and like loves math and made a perfect score in his math SATs. Right. And like, and so Billy did the same thing. It's like, actually Dave Yost is cut as hell. Um, <laughs> and he can kick your butt. So Yeah. For sure. Yeah. He's, he's completed the transformation from Steve Urkel to Stefan Urkel. It's, it's, you see, exactly. it's great. It's great. So. <laughs> for, we, for one, for a certain generation, they're probably wondering who is Stefan Urkel? Oh, that like, breaks, man, breaks my heart. Miss, y'all missed out. Y'all missed out. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I think about family matters sometimes and, and just the, the journey that that show went on <laughs> from yes. its genesis to all of the crazy Urkel inventions, the transformation chamber, the the time machine, the cloning machine, the, you know, the serious finale is in outer space. It's again, yeah, really for anyone listening to this who like never follow the show, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's so crazy. So crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we mentioned Rito Revolto, right? Brother of Rita who yeah. uh, shows up, he plants some eggs on the moon, which turned out to be these Tenga warriors, not Tengu from the movie, but Tenga warriors, but same look and idea to these, uh, I guess, essentially replacements for the putties, right? These are the little minions that the Rangers will fight yeah. sort of as the uh, initial wave before they battle the monsters. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this introduces the the trend of having a new foot soldier uh, thing to have, of every single every single season, right? Because we had putties consistently up until now. Because the only difference with the putties when Zed showed up in season two was that they get, got stronger and they had the Z. Which side note, and I said this in another episode, but I have you here, and again, I, I do I do look at you as as an expert in this because you followed it uh, for all these years. So I know that ostensibly they were sh- stronger, but I feel like the Z that you can hit and then cause them to disintegrate is a major. F- I mean, how is how is that an advantage? It one hundred percent is. Um, but again, I guess the 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 thinking is they were going to be so strong that it didn't that it wouldn't have mattered, right? Like Hercules, he was so strong except for his Achilles, and there's like, there's, who's going to be aiming there anyway? Um, and it's not like Paris was aiming there; he just got lucky. But anyway, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the Iliad aside, um, that is essentially what's probably what what the thinking is behind that. The other and part two of that is Power Rangers. It's silly. No, it's not. It's true. It's true. But that's a good explanation. <laughs> that there just wasn't. It, no one thought that it would actually happen. And then when we get to Zio, we get the Cogs. Right? Is that? Yeah, we get Cogs for them. Yeah. No, I remember the Cogs. So, uh, but anyway, so we get the Tanga Warriors, and we get Rito. Uh, what's your? Is this a, a villain that you that you kind of hold up as as one of the one of the greats, or not so much? I. The funny thing is, I as a kid, I remember hating Rito. Um, mostly because he looked like <laughs> he looked like Bones from the second episode of the show. 
Uh, <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is lame. They just they just painted him like they just made him like Two Face. Like this is the same. It's the same prop. It's the same. It's the same thing. Oh, and so I remember being annoyed by that, like as a kid, because I was like, no, I, I, like I, I, I like I, I saw the strings. Like even even as a kid, I saw the strings. Um, but then, like as an adult, though, like Rito's kind of funny. So. Yes, you know his this bit of him consistently calling Zed Ed. You know, like as a kid, I don't think that really registered much, but now watching it. And and again, the fact that he's Rita's brother. So you get this whole in-law dynamic, like adds this whole layer to it. That is why, again, like as a kid hated it, right? As an adult, I totally get it because again, as you said, it's the in-law thing, him him, uh, going out of his way to egg on like the the in-law brother just 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 because he can uh, and and the fact that he's doing it to zed of all people is makes it hilarious yes and you know how i feel the worst for though i, I think goldar because i feel like goldar yeah. was just so happy to be rid of rita when zed showed up and then of course rita came back and put zed under the spell and they got married and it's like now the family's expanding with rito i i feel like poor poor goldar is really uh really put upon here in this uh situation he is goldar got a, got a fair shake i mean lost his wings got him back lost his wings got him back he's always getting his butt kicked um you know it, yeah doesn't pay to be goldar yeah well so they hatch this plan right where rito's going to be the decoy and he doesn't even understand what this what this means uh but yeah. they're gonna he, he's gonna draw the rangers out and they're gonna send all of these uh all these other monsters to ambush them and and that's what happens and that leads to this uh, to this fight that we talked about where the they're thrown from the Zords. And that's the thing. When they get thrown from the Zords, you know, you know it's, a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's a big deal. Again, this is, this is a precedent set way back in green with evil. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny. And I'm sure I know I've said this in other episodes, but you know, I'm, I'm not rewatching every single episode of mighty Morphin, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. v- viewing selections and, essentially the most uh the most epic uh you know sort of mythology heavy episodes where where big stuff happens and so you know that's primarily what i'm watching now so it's really giving me this Mm -hmm. sense like i'm skipping over all of the monster of the week run of the mill formulaic Uh, even though we there's value in the formula (laughs) but like mm -hmm. those are all the ones i'm skipping over so it's like i'm watching yeah i'm like this show is amazing but they're always getting thrown from the zords those are the only episodes i'm watching Well, the thing is, like you know, it, to be fair, there's there's some janky episodes in this thing. There's some stuff that's just like, oh my god, y'all. Uh, especially as somebody who's seen these with older eyes, it's like, oh man. <laughs> uh, but but there's but there are some stuff. It's like, oh, actually, that's kind of good. And there's 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 stuff in there to appreciate in all of them. I'll say. Yeah, I might need to give another. It might take another look at just some of the. There's the more quote unquote standard episodes as opposed to just mm-hmm. these these more epic ones. But but yeah, we get and them. Some are like really bad, but they're like hilarious. So you'll be in for a good time. Yeah, there's there's value in that for sure. Now the 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 destruction of the Zords, uh, that was was filmed specifically for the US show, correct? Yeah. Uh, and it was it was worth it. I mean, it was really cool. It was really cool, cool to see that. Absolutely. It's affecting. And they have to hoof it back to the command center, uh, which again is in disarray because the uh, 
Uh, they, they, you know, overdid it with the power core and all that stuff. Again, it, this, this aspect of it, right. Does not reach the heights of the movie. I mean, the stakes in the movie were high. I mean, Zordon was dying. And I mean, that was yeah. really something here. You don't have that, that piece of it. But like I said, when Adam says Zordon, where do our powers come from? <laughs> was, uh, was that something, do you remember ever wondering about that as a kid watching it? Or even as you got older, <laughs> I guess you had this answer, so you knew. But I had the answer. Um, but as a kid, I always just was like, "Well, like the morpher, duh." <laughs> that's that's what I what's what I thought. And then, like when he says that you know that this, you know Ninja created the coins, I was like, "Okay, that tracks." Like we we have somebody that made it, but like the essential source where you get it from is is here, right? But now, like as far as like the morphin grid and like in like what that actually is, um, and and everything like that gets more elaborated on as, as time goes on. But as a kid, I was just like, Oh, well the, the morpher, this is the access. This is what, this is what does it. Which, yeah. I mean, and I also think- like, and also like, you know, Zordon remembers it was a wizard. Right. And so was, and, 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 and Rita is, is a sorceress. Right. So like there's magic and em- like elements to all of this. So like, it's an easy explanation for things to just be like, Oh yeah, magic. And it's like, oh, okay. Yes. It's like saying Shazam. Like he's like, oh, you say this magic word, you become the superhero. It's like, that's easy to understand. It's, you no, know, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I can't remember. Like, I just don't remember ever really wondering that. And maybe mm-hmm. I did and I've just forgotten it, but I don't, I don't know that that was ever something that really bugged me. You know, I was just kind of along well, with it. Maybe okay. for the reasons you just said. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it was it, like, everything is, is like in the pilot, everything is explained so easily and it's digested. It's so easily digested that it's like, oh, well, we understand exactly what's going on here. It's not like a complicated thing. It's like, well, so how does that work? How did he get the power? Like, is, like, does it only work here? Does it only work there? It's like, no. It's it's very. Everything was very simple. Like, you you have this apparatus. You say a thing, and it makes you this. And it's like, oh, okay. And, and and as a result of having this, you can now do this. Yeah. No, for sure. But so we actually get some backstory here, right? Where, but Zordon qualifies all of this. He's like, we, this is, there's this legend. We don't know if it's true, but apparently <laughs> in the desert of despair, there's this temple and someone named Ninjor who forged, who, you know, summoned the power and forged the coins. And here's a map, but we don't know if it's true. It's like, well, you have a name, a location, yep. <laughs> a history. <laughs> yeah. Seems pretty, uh, seems pretty airtight. But, but, yeah. you know, there is, you know, it casts some doubt on this, right? So it, you know, I guess adds a little weight to their journey. It's like, well, we don't know what's waiting for them. It might be nothing. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. The level of specificity, right. That, <laughs> that he was yeah. able to offer for this apparent myth, a uh, little Jeez. bit of a, little bit of a disconnect there, but it's all right. I'm with it. bit, yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty funny. But again, that's, that's on brand for this show. Um, like I remember in like mega force is a joke within the fandom of like, uh, go say the Zordon stand in for that show is like, there's a perfectly good explanation for that. And then they don't get into it. Like that's always, that's always the thing. <laughs> but Hey, it's like, at least they gave us this much, which I, which I can appreciate. So, you know, they go mm-hmm. off in search of this, this ninja or this temple, this power source, their quest here versus the movie, not, not as grand, not as epic, no. you know, they're not on the coast of Australia. Uh, no. you know, meeting Dulcia. They do fight the Tang, the, you know, Tanga's here, Tango in the movie, but that's mm. essentially it, right? Whereas in the movie, then you had that, that whole other phase, right? When they're fighting the, the sentries outside of the temple. Yes. And you had a couple of waves of those. So, you know, that, that definitely mm. kind of gave some teeth to it here. To your point, and this is probably where I got a little bored too. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of them just kind of wandering around the desert. 
Yeah. And, and, and the, all the same character stuff like that they probably wanted to do was actually done in the movie. And so, you know, it's just like, well, we're just kind of wasting time here. Um, interesting point about uh, Dulcea, though. It's a trivia about Dulcea. So uh, the woman that ended up playing her, uh, Gabrielle Fitzpatrick, I believe is her name. Um, hold on, let me pull that up again. Yeah, Gabrielle Fitzpatrick. You know she's she was the second person to get that, right? She was not the first person oh, that got the, the you, role. We talked all about Mariska Hargitay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to know if you if you if you if you knew. But I think that is absolutely amazing that that was a possibility. Um on Earth Two, right? On Earth Two, she is she did not uh she did not go on to be Olivia Benson. She was like in Power Rangers and did other stuff. Like her career kind of pivoted. No. That is crazy. I know. Look, we just in this episode, we referenced Law and Order. And I, you, know, you and I have I know, talked right? about that another time, too. It's When we're done recording, I'm going to watch this week's episode of SVU. It's on the DVR. Yeah. It's insane. I know. And and she talked about it. We, we mentioned this. She talked about it on Seth Meyers, like within the past couple mm-hmm. of years. And he had photos of her from it and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, but you know what? Thank God for those photos. Cause that's, you know, I, I, I appreciated seeing them. There is, I'm sure you've, you've probably seen, it's like very grainy YouTube behind the scenes footage of her and like David Yost practicing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, but again, like there's so little out there to see it's, it's, there uh, is. yeah. And I believe she said, like, I think she said something, you know, nice about JDF, like after he died as well. So it's just like, it's like, yeah, like that, like they cross paths. Like that's so crazy. No. Now here we get Ninjor. Not he's no Dulcia. Uh, no. I, either version. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I know, right? Either version. <laughs> either version. <laughs> what? What's your take on Ninjor? And and the other thing too that was kind of interesting. Uh, I guess did I, I don't know that I really remembered this. How much Ninjor sticks around? Right, that they can summon him and all that. But anyway, what's your what's yeah. your take on on Ninjor and his? role in this episode but also in this in the season the presence that he serves um well basically it's interesting like his presence like he end up he he is like their deus ex machina in a lot of ways because if they're in a pinch with this new power with all this new stuff that they end up getting in season three right they get new they get new ninja powers ninja swords ninja abilities they get metallic armor right they get all this stuff and then and and they get the shogun zords later right so after all that they still can't do something. They can just call on Ninjor and then Ninjor will just take care of it like that, which I think is hilarious. Um, and that he's uh, like a de facto weapon slash seventh ranger for them. Uh, I think is, is funny, but the other function for him, like is in particular for this, this stretch is he's basically Yoda, right? Like it's, that's, that's, that's what he is. Like he's the kooky, like old sage who is kind of like determining if they're worthy or not to get be granted like the, either the gift of his, his coaching or the power that he, that he has to, 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 to give. And that's exactly what, what the role is here. Uh, when, until he hears Tommy talk about like, you know, you know, like, you know, we're going to get through this guys and have his, has, has his, you know, his hero leader speech. That's when he's like, okay, you guys are worthy. You can come on in uh, and I'll give you this stuff. Like it's again, like everybody steals each other's plays, and this is you can find this exact type of beat in pretty much any type of story that's like this. Very, very true. Yeah, he is initially dismissive of them and kind of cast them, uh, cast them out, and and you, like exactly to your point, right? Tommy has this moment where he's like, "Well, we still have the power within ourselves, guys. Like, we'll do whatever we can," and mm-hmm. uh, and of course that's enough to sway uh, Ninja. It is 
and you said this earlier about it being Star Wars-esque, because I, I was struck by this, especially a little bit later when uh, he's actually imbued them with the powers and they're in their ninja garb in the garden area. And mm. they keep asking him questions, right? Like, how do we morph? How do we call our Zords? How do we do this? And his answer to everything is like, just look within. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? that doesn't really help. <laughs> but that's yeah. the answer for everything. It is. And the funny thing is, like, this is, these are those questions of them, like, how do we morph, how do we do this? I'm pretty sure his kids were kind of wondering, it's like, oh, so is this going to change how they do this? Because when they, when they had the ninja swords, they didn't, they still morph with, you know, pterodactyl, you know, like Mastodon, pterodactyl, triceratops, saber tiger, tyrannosaurus. Uh, the only thing, the person that was different was Timmy, who was white tiger, because he got a different thing. But he was the only one that had a, a, a thunder swords uh, representation in his morphing call. Everybody else still had the original stuff. And so this is when they change it to, you know, <laughs> black Diamond ranger power, white ranger like power and everything else like that. Thankfully they added ranger in there because it would have been very awkward uh, for a couple of them. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. At least, at least, they, at least they did that. I, 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 I don't know. And, and you're more plugged into the fandom. I, I, I definitely vastly preferred calling out the dinosaur names over the, you know, white power ranger. How did you feel? Oh yeah. 100%. Like it, it would have been cooler if they, I don't know, like even in the, in the Thunderzords era, if they would have been, you know, if, if they would have changed it with, if they would have changed their morphing call with them to match what they were doing. Right. Like instead of, you know, Mastodon, he would have said black lion or unicorn, you know, what was else was it? Griffin, red dragon, and, firebird right you know that would have been cool or did something like that right they they could have said something along those lines to kind of keep it going and then here do the same thing like ninja like you're like you know ape ninja power right you know a blue ape a red ape ninja power like that would have been cool that would have worked too that would have worked all right i was initial i'll be honest as you were starting that train of thought i was skeptical but as you laid Mm -hmm. it out and you gave the example i i got on board because i was saying to myself there's, you know, there's something pretty cool about Tyrannosaurus, but it's like, oh yeah, ape? Well, it's, Boy, it's, yeah. Those, those, are, those are the iconic ones, though. Like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to not be like pumped up when you hear those original ones. Like, it's like, yeah, like it's, it's go time. Um, but if like Rocky came out and was like red, you know, red ape ninja power, I, I could get with that. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Yeah, you need you do need the words around it. If it was just instead of Tyrannosaurus like ape, that doesn't get you there. But but yeah. I agree, like red ape ninja power. That that that, that could work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that there would have been something I think a little bit more effective than just, you know, uh, you know, red red ranger power. Yeah. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its fortieth year. This multiple-time Eisner Award nominee features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. 
Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. This episode made possible in part by educator, hobby comic book collector, and pop culture enthusiast, Sam Lim. Sam just moved to the South Jersey area and is looking to connect with other comics fans as well as retailers. They are also looking for comic shops to explore, so recommendations are welcome. Be sure to follow Sam on Instagram at SZLComics. Now, I mean, I guess the biggest thing here, and I'm really conflicted on this, the ninja garb, mm-hmm. right? We now have this intermediate stage, right? Because yes. previously they would fight as civilians, and when the danger was was you know too great, they would morph. Now mm-hmm. we have this this stage where they are clad in their ninja attire, and unlike the movie, right? Because when the in the movie, even when they had the hood up, you saw more of their eyes and their face, mm-hmm. right? Like the top part of their face. Here, you see nothing. Yeah. And as a kid, I think I liked this. I was like, oh, the ninja, like the ninja outfits, like they're cool. Watching it now as an adult, one of the things that I've enjoyed so much about going back to all these old Mighty Morphin episodes is seeing those pre-morph fights and seeing mm-hmm. the actors do so much of it. And it's like, this yes. is so cool. Like that's my usually my favorite part action-wise of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And now I'm realizing, and as much as I, I'm calling this an intermediate step, I don't know that it really is because I, I did kind of uh, just like fast forward through a couple of episodes after this just to see what the, mm-hmm. what the, the flow of the, it was. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we lose a lot of those completely unmorphed fights. It seems like they're mostly now just going right into the, the ninja outfits, right? They were, yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about and, this? You know, I like the ninja stuff in the movie because it was like ceremonial, right? Like they, like it was part of the whole deal. Here, they 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 get them and it, and it seems like, oh, these are their new suits now. Like that's kind of what it, that's kind of what it was. And hot take here, that would have been kind of cool if that, if that's what it was, right? Um, but it, it, you know, they can't do that, right? Um, because technically, they all should have looked like like Tommy's suit is from a different is based on a different you know it's from a different a different Sentai than what uh, Mighty Morphins was, and uh, and they couldn't for some reason get those the rights to that footage to use for season two. And they're just like, no, like this, like the look is too iconic. We can't mess that up right now. Like with, with how they look. So that's why they just didn't do it Um, here. They probably could have gotten away with these being their, their thing, but I see, I can understand why they didn't do it. It's, but it's hard Um, because at the tail end of the season, you can tell because they, you know, they ran out of footage. They had to use American footage, and so for some of these things, they're just like, "Look, we don't have the budget, we don't have the time to to get these things out," which is why they ended up covering up the faces and just having the stunt people do it because it's like, "Look, we gotta get we gotta get this stuff cranked out." No, I mean that tracks, uh, and that's what I was going to ask you, like why why you think they went that route, and that totally makes sense. But it's just, I really do feel like you lose something. And again, as a kid, it didn't necessarily bother me, but now I'm like, Oh man, that, that really kind of eliminates, I think one of the coolest parts of this was seeing the actors in action, mm-hmm. whether it was fighting the, the putties or in this case w- would have been the, the Tenga warriors. And it's just like, now they ninja suit up and they're, they're out of there. Yeah, they are. And you know, part of it, like, 
you could also read it as like, well, they need these at least to fight the 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 tango because they can't do it by themselves on, on more if they're too strong, right? They need some sort of protection. They need some sort of extra power to deal with them. It's not like the putties who they could just do that in their school clothes, right? Like that's, you know, this is the, like the anti, the stakes keep getting like raised. And so, uh, but then, you know, by the time we get to Zio, they're fighting cogs un, unmorphed until they have to. Um, so, yeah, so I guess for this stretch, you know, I'll just have to have to go along with it. But mm-hmm. you know, it it is what it is. The other thing, I would and I had totally forgotten this, right? So the first time that they're fighting the Tanga warriors in their ninja attire. Side note: Did you ever dress up as the the ninja ranger for Halloween? No, because I I I maybe my my parents have photos somewhere. I don't know. I have to check. I know I was definitely a ninja one year, and I'm almost positive. That it was the Power Rangers ninja outfit. I feel like I was the blue ninja ranger. I don't know. I have to nice. I have to look into this. See, I know I was I was a ninja as well for Halloween, but I was not a Power Rangers ninja. I mean, again, I might have just been a regular ninja. And in my memory, <laughs> I've turned myself into a Power Ranger. I don't know. But okay. Yeah. So when they're having this first fight as ninjas against the Tanga Warriors, they're all the Rangers are kind of showing off their new uh martial arts prowess. Right. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we're talking jumps and flips and spins and things like that. Kimberly has super speed. Yeah. Does that, does that keep coming up or is that like a one-off? <laughs> they each get different sort of ninja ish type of things. Um, and this, I think this is tied to, cause I think Beetleborg started at this point also. And each of them had a little, gimmicky thing that they could do in addition to being able to turn into heroes and this you know this was a thing that 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 crops up every now and again like they have these this extra ability that comes with their stuff like um most notably in um in dino thunder um you know one of them can you know has a has a canary cry one of them has one of them is super fast uh the other has like really hardened skin um you know, in the Ninja Storm season, they all ha- can do these like super speed things, uh, stealth stuff, jump like super ninja jump stuff. Like I think Adam can do the super ninja jump, and then I think Rocky like it, it, like it has something. Like they all have something. Right? They have these like ninja based uh, wushu film type of things that they do that they were doing in the Sentai. So that's what it is. All right. I mean, it makes sense. It's I, weird. I don't like it. I don't. I don't necessarily I don't like it. Tommy can. Uh, he. I don't even know what you call it. Like he can double his clothing or whatever. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like where the, where the, the war- guys. Yeah. 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 Where like yeah. they grab him, and but it, then it's just the clothing, but he's still fully, fully clad. Yeah. It's it, 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 all these things are like our tropes from like, old like kung fu movies wushu films that type of stuff that they have the ninja do so they so in the sentai they had them have these powers as well like when they got them since they were ninja based um it's it's kind of hokey um and 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 it's like you already have you're already power rangers right so like what do you need this extra power for um is is kind of how it how it is it comes across and even as a kid i was like that's kind of weird um like why are they able to do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you know. To be honest, the biggest thing for me, I was just surprised because I didn't remember that. And when I when Kimberly does that little you know super speed thing, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like that's a thing. Yeah. So there I, there was a little bit of that. I mean that you know I I appreciate sort of getting the insight into where that comes from. But yeah, that piece of it not my favorite. And then just generally, I, I mean, how do you feel about this? Again, this new power source, right? They're drawing upon 
power of ninja and animal kingdom i i mean i don't know i feel like with with the original iteration and the power of dinosaurs it's like all right it's a little bit cleaner here i feel like we're i don't know can can we sort of wreck are these all can we reconcile these things i feel like it's it's getting a little muddled here a little bit some of it you would think that it was like trying to go to certain um uh, you know styles of, of fighting right and certain techniques Right. Um, like, for example, Kimberly is the crane now. So you could say like, oh, crane style Kung Fu. Right. You, like that tracks. Um, but nobody else really has anything kind of like that. Maybe like maybe the bear, maybe the wolf, maybe maybe the ape, but the, but not for an eagle or not for a falcon, not a falcon, even though falcons were like, you know, around as like, you know, uh, they were like a symbol of of hierarchy type of symbol like in, in feudal areas and stuff like that right um the frog i don't even know what they like what can you do about that and this just it's just a funny it's just a funny you know quirky thing right that there's there's a frog here right um so yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah you would think that they would they would try to tie it to some sort of like martial art or something but it, it didn't work out that way yeah it's it's it, it's fine we're just a little a little curious as he was as Ninjor was sort of explaining all this and kind of, and then going back to Ninjor. So I've, I've still not yet delved into the super Sentai series. I do plan to watch some and I have an episode coming up a little bit down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. But my understanding is in the super Sentai, the Zords are sentient, right? Like they, they have personalities and can, can think and speak to some extent. Is that right? In the Sentai? Yes. In Rangers, not so much, and only a no. couple of them. They are, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Right? I always, like, you know, I was only talking about Sentai, but I, but I bring okay. it up because, like, what is Ninjor exactly? It's a good question because he can turn himself into a Zord. That's the um, thing. Because again, I had for like again, I clearly as is a running theme here. I'd forgotten a lot about this, but as I was watching it, you know, I, I guess maybe my first inclination was it was. A, a guy in a suit. And I mean, not, not, I don't know that I really thought that, but that goes out the window when he, when he, you know, transforms right into essentially a mm-hmm. Zord, a Zord. Uh, yeah. So I think yeah. if anything, he's probably the first sentient Zord that we get in this. Yeah. I think you're and right. That's, I guess why he's so powerful. I think that's probably what it is. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. But, but that's why I, again, I, at least I knew that piece from, from super Sentai and that did help, kind of clear this up a little bit because it's like, Oh, okay. Like I get that you kind of had that going on in, in the original Japanese show. So maybe that's kind of the idea here. How do you like his, uh, his entrance where he's like flying in on the rock when they summon him? That's super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's, 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 you know, in the cold cloud thing as well, it's, it's so, it's so inspired. Right. And, it, and of course, like the iconic images that you get is like, oh, it's Goku, right? On his, on his Nimbus cloud, which of course is, is, you know, Sun Wukong from, you know, the journey to the West thing is like, oh, like you, you see where all the mythology is coming from. It all, it all clicks. Right. Um, and so it's like, oh, that's kind of neat. Um, and it's, it's, again, like it's these like hokey things that you wouldn't like in concepts that, that are brought to, to, to real life that, that if you say them out loud, it's like, yeah, this is this robot ninja on this, uh, on this, on this rock flying in to save the day. You're just like, what? But then you see pictures just like, and you see what it's inspired from. It's like, Oh, I get what's going on here. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild, but it works. And 
again in later episodes we'll have Tommy summon him right like Ninjor I summon you from on mm-hmm. high and it's, have no fear Ninjor is here that whole bit yep so they get their new powers they get the new Zords they're able to defeat Rito when Rito's defeated it, it was a kind of a curious uh, effect on screen where it was sort of like a cartoon I have for lack of a better description like after he's destroyed where he's like you know he who runs away lives to fight another day that sort of thing was that mm-hmm. what was the deal with that was that I don't know. I don't even know what my question is, but I, have we ever seen something like that before? Not yet. No. Cause normally they're like, they, there's a huge explosion or they, they get out before they are exploded. And so maybe they didn't know if they were going to bring him back or not. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, that was my thing. I was like, that feels like something that was kind of like slapped on where they were like, Oh, maybe we'll keep him. And then like, they just, mm-hmm. that was kind of the cheapest, quickest way to do it. I don't know. Yeah. And then, of course, they have to go rescue uh, Ninjor because, uh, you know, Zed and Rita, they had planted this uh, vampirus monster yeah. outside the temple. And so we get another Zord battle, and this mm-hmm. time side by side uh, with Ninjor. And, of course, they they win the day. And we're we're off in the ninja era. era. We are. And the funny thing is it doesn't last all that long, which is kind of crazy because this three is the shortest of, 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 of the three seasons. Um, two was pretty lengthy. Um and then one, of course, is the longest, but three is pretty short, all things considered, because the, the end of it is when they're kids and like the alien rangers are here. And it's just like, oh, that was a rough stretch. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- you know, I, 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 I do have an episode coming up where we'll consider the bridge, you know, from Mighty Morphin to Zeo. But I don't okay. I don't know how much of that uh, Mighty Morphin alien ranger. Like, I don't know how much of the alien rangers uh, I necessarily have in me. We'll see where they're all kids. It's rough, man. It's rough because it, <laughs> it's funny. You, uh, you mentioned, or I mentioned like, you know, before we started recording and, and also during this, I think with the, that, uh, grim dark power ranger spoof thing that, uh, I think it was Addie Shankar that did it came out around 2015. It was like, you know, James Vanderbeek is in it. Uh, Katie Sackoff is in it. Uh, it's uh, it's hilarious. Uh, it's hilariously over the top. Uh, but in uh, after I watched that, because like the Machine Empire is is the, is the, is the main antagonist thing that takes over the world, I was like, I was pumped for for Power Ranger stuff, and I had more. I hadn't done a rewatch in a while. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna rewatch Zeo. And then I was like, you know what? No, nah, I need to get into it first. So I I, tr- I did the. I, I binged the Alien Ranger thing, and I was like, "Man, this is." I was like, "This is rough, y'all," and, and because this is my early days of Twitter too, and I think I was live tweeting it as well. Um, and then, like, thankfully, when I got to the episode one of Zio, I was like, "Oh, thank God!" When that theme music kicked in for the new Zio thing, I was like, "Oh, we're here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I again, I mean, I haven't gone back to it since I was a kid, but even as a kid, I remember being like, "Oh man, like, like how long is this going to go on?" And again, what is it? 10 episodes? I mean, it's not that many episodes, all things not considered. That long. But I know. Now, what we haven't talked about yet, a fair amount of screen time in, in Ninja Quest is devoted to Bulk and Skull joining the Junior Police Patrol. So how do you feel about this iteration of, uh, of Bulk and Skull? They're no longer trying <laughs> well, to unmask the Rangers. Now they have their new quest. They want to be men in uniform to pick up women. Yes. Um you know, it's 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 funny. They throughout the seasons they had to figure out stuff for them to do, um, and like because again, initially they like season one they're just like we're just they were just the bullies, right? But then that got old really really quickly. And to their credit, 
they realized it. And so instead of them just trying to like be, you know, bullies, they were just, they were the reluctant friends of the main group. Right. And I think and the funny thing is like, especially like when you're older and if you watch these things, you can, you can kind of see that dynamic. It's like Bulk and Skull, if, if you held them at gunpoint, if you asked them who their, who their circle of friends were, if they had, had to invite people to a birthday party, obviously he would say Skull, like they would say each other, but then the other people they would say would be the Rangers. And if you held the Rangers at gunpoint, you've asked them who they would invite to a party. Of course, they'd say the other Rangers. They'd include Bulk and Skull also. Like, and so I think that's that's just an interesting that's an it, it's an interesting dynamic. And we all have people like that with that are either on the periphery of our whatever friend group is. Um, but like, you, you still you still rock with them, even though you kind of might not. But like, when it, when push comes to shove, like like you are at the end of the day, you are their friend. And I think that's what the relationship is with these two, which is why they had to change it up because they couldn't just be bullies and and them just not have any sort of. Uh, any sort of repercussions for their for their for their behavior and so season two they're just like we're going to try to find we're going to go on a quest we're going to try to find out who these people are now obviously the rangers are gaslighting them all the time because they get close a couple of times um which is pretty funny um but then here they just kind of give up on it's like yeah we have other things to do and now we're getting like now we're going to try to go get girls and like the rangers like they're not like they don't talk down to them or belittle them like or, or gaslight them like they were doing in season two. Season two was kind of like their get back on them for season one of them trying to mess with them. But so by season three, like you, they're just friends. All of them are just like friends. Like they recognize the bulk and scholars just kind of doing this. They understand that they're goofy. They understand that they're just going to mess stuff up. They still they're still friends at the end of the day. Um, and then and this continues into into Turbo because they still hang out with in in the. In Zio and in Turbo, they still hang out with Lieutenant Stone for all. For the, Lieutenant Stone, when he shows up here, is a mainstay on this show for a long while, for two more seasons. Now, part of that, he's a monkey, um, but uh, but he's still around, and like this is like they have this they have this uh, mentor figure for them, which I think is interesting that they they kind of put in here. But yeah, a lot of time is spent with these two, but those two are a huge part of this show, even though they never morph or do anything like like that. Those two are a huge part of the show, and then all of that pays off at the end of In Space when they get their moment. That's why it's, that's why that moment works is because it's been earned. It's true, and even though I have not watched that season, I did watch that scene, and 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 uh-huh. and it, it it is tremendous. I have to say, I've been fairly hard on Bulk and Skull in the episodes we've done so far, but <laughs> they 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 have grown on me, and I definitely I really did, and I said this, I'll say it again, I really did like that shift, uh, like you said, where. <laughs> you know, they go from the bullies to trying to unmask them. And that and at least gave them something positive or productive to, to try to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here, especially, I, I really did like the shift for them. Uh, and, you know, the fact that the Rangers are there uh, at their, at their graduation ceremony, yeah, right. They're there cheering them on. I mean, it's, you know, again, a far cry from where, where they started, but I, I yeah, I think your, your point is, 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 is totally right about them being yeah, in like, each other's circles, right? Yeah. They, they, like they're legit friends. Again, like if you, you go back to the pilot, it's just like, there's, like, and then you, you, and then like, if you, if you were living in that world, right. And you had a time machine, you could be, you could go back to the pilot episode days and you could tell Billy of all people, it's like, Hey, in, in two years, you're going to be, you know, front and center watching these two graduate from the junior police academy. Billy would be like, I don't want to be anywhere near these two. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. I don't care what they do, but, then again, Billy, Kimberly, all those people are there. Tommy, right? Yeah, for sure. It's a, and a pretty rigorous training uh, that they go through for this mm-hmm. junior junior police patrol. I mean, I guess I was, I was like, 
I guess, I, I don't know, I've not, are you familiar with something like that? I mean, the closest thing I think of is like ROTC, but like as far as like yeah, a junior police to, patrol. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go down a, a, uh, a rabbit hole with junior and policing. So I'll just, I'll save that, but I have no idea what any, 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 I have not seen a program like that. I'll say that much. Fair enough. Well, maybe Angel Grove was just, uh, you know, very innovative, but with Lieutenant Stone, I think I had mentioned this on another episode, but I am aware that there was a, uh, an attempted spinoff of Bulk mm-hmm. and Skull, right? And the sort of like yeah. the pilot presentation for that is on the DVD set. And I, I, but it's primarily a, like a clip show sort of thing. Like yeah. they're trapped in a cave, uh, or something like that during a ranger battle and they're reminiscing about all their, all their great times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is as good a point as any to, to, to talk about it, but I mean, as far as a, a bulk and skull solo project, is that something that you would have wanted to see then, then or no. now? I said, no, okay. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't have wanted to see it because like, what, what could they do? Like what, and what would you have eventually have them do? And because, if you would have had them become Rangers, it was just like, well, that's, that, that doesn't work. I, I don't think we, people who, who knew who the characters were, who would tune in to see something like that would have bought something like that from them. Like if you want to give them shorts and stuff like that, like, I think that's perfectly fine. Like the misadventures of those two, you can have them like have like pinky in the brain type segments where it's like, it's short and sweet. Like, I think that works, but like a full blown show and like a full season, you know, draw for them. I don't think that was happening. And I don't think anybody would want that. Agreed. Again, I've only really just come around to them as uh, come around on them as as supporting players. So I definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't wanted uh, a whole show with them. But uh, no, nah. but I have to say, like, with all the training stuff and the physical comedy, I, I enjoyed them in this arc, and they they got their buzz cuts as well. For for real, they did. It's it's so funny. They they they're a hoot. And and the funny thing is, like people like they're one of the first things that people remember about this show is those two. Uh, which I think is is interesting, and they they were on it for a long time. They're one of the longest running characters on the show. Uh, next, I mean, outside of Tommy and Billy, they have, probably have the the, the the next longest run is those two, right? Because Bulk comes back in a in a much later season, right? With Skull's son, mm-hmm. is that a whole thing? Right? Uh, yeah, uh huh, yeah. yeah. He comes back. It, it was in Samurai is when Bulk comes back. Um, but yeah, I've, I haven't met Skull yet in, in person at a con or anything, but I have met Bulk. Uh, Bulk is, uh, you know, he's, 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 his personality matches what it is on the show, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, like he's a very, like as far as, like he's like very like a, a like big personality, out super outgoing. Um, and, you know, really he, he likes to ham things up, that type of thing. Uh, his wife is a Texan. Uh, he told uh he told me so because I asked him. I remember when I met him, I was like, "How do you like in Texas?" So far, he's like, "Oh, I'm down here all the time." <laughs> and and uh, that's when he told me that he's like, "Yeah, um, he's like my, my wife is a Texan." He's like, "I go, you know, I go hunting down here and everything else like that." I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Um, uh, but uh, the guy who plays Skull, though, he's like a professor now. With like, like after Power Rangers, he went to school, got his DMA, and he's teaching like English somewhere at some college. <laughs> Which is crazy. And like when he and he takes off to go do cons. It's like, this is amazing. What a life. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Oh, you know what? I was talking about Bulk and Skull. You, you can't talk about them or think about them without thinking of the the score, that their theme music that always accompanies them. And as a musician, yeah, as a musician, what's your take on it? Do you their their light motif is so <laughs> recognizable? 
right? Like it's <laughs> it's so funny. Like it's it's so it's it, it perfectly fits what they what, what what they do. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of the Shirley Walker Joker theme, which I which which I love. Um, it, it kind of follows a little a lot of the same beats, but you know, part of that you know that Ron Wasserman you know collection here with the themes that he came up with for the show is that bulk and skull theme, and you know what? It works. It's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it is iconic. It's, it's very indelible. You, 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 again, you can't think of the two of them without it. I don't know. I, I, All versions of it, like the fast and the slow, like the sarcastic and like the you know and and the super excited. Um, the the Mario Star version when like things are going really really fast, like that that one's like it's it, it's always funny. Maybe I maybe I just needed it a little a little bit lower in the mix. Maybe I don't know. Maybe okay. it was just like a little a little bit overpowering. I, I I've I've always tended to find it a little. I mean I love the music on the show generally, but the, that mm-hmm. bulk and skull theme in particular. Yeah, I've just kind of always found it a bit grating. But again, I think it might have just been a mix issue. I think if it had been a little bit more subdued, I might not have minded mm. it so much. In all honesty, because it does. That's fair. I don't disagree. It suits them. I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. a lot. It's just like a lot and maybe i didn't need it every single time they <laughs> they were doing yeah. something for the whole time but anyway that's fair is there anything about this arc that we didn't talk about that that you wanted to i think that's or that we should have <laughs> um oh one, one quick thing so again like the beginning of this you you know for those out there that don't know, Zed and Rita get married, right? Like, how wild is that? That that was a thing? Like, <laughs> it, it's uh, you know, so we did an episode on the mutiny and the wedding. We looked at those okay. two three parters, and it's it's crazy because, as you well know, right, when Zed is introduced, it's it, kids were scared apparently, right? Like, it was so kids imposing. Were legit scared. Yeah. And then you go from that. And of course, I know there are episodes in between, but like by the time Rita comes back and puts him under the spell, it's just, it's just a different, different flavor, different dynamic. But I do, I don't know. I mean, I, I do like the two of them together and just sort of that, uh, you know, that, that, that dynamic. What, what about you? Yeah. It's, it's, they have like a married with children type of vibe to them. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very much like that. Again, this it's so '90s, but you can see where their ref, where their references were and their inspirations were for them, um, and it's it's very clear that that was one of them. Yes, no, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, well, I don't know. That was Ninja Quest. I mean, that was how they got yeah. their their ninja powers, costumes, and zords on the television show, and and we're off. So if you didn't watch the movie, you didn't have to, and if you did, you got two versions yep. of, of the story, and to sort of. I guess bookend these two episodes that we've done on this. I it's, it's still so weird to me that things unfolded the way they did in terms of the movie and the show and the separate continuities and all that stuff yet while still utilizing the the, the cast and, and everything from the show. But I'm glad we got it the way we did. Like it's kind of like a weird thing, but it's fascinating yeah. to go back and look at again, especially as Absolutely. an adult and you're like, Oh, okay. Like I could get more of what was going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 part of the wild ride that is Power Rangers. Yeah. So next episode we'll be talking about the once and always Netflix special. I'm very excited for that. I hope everyone will come back for that. 
Lance, I thank you very much for coming on here, sharing your Power Rangers expertise. Uh, it's always, you know, I mean, I look up as much as I can on the Rangers wiki and all that stuff. And there's the Sixth Ranger YouTube channel, which is great. There's a lot of great resources out mm -hmm. there within the fandom. Uh, wonderful resources. But, you know, talking to someone who's, who's so well-versed in all of this and who has followed the franchise, uh, you know, is, is really great. Uh, as far as your podcast, Always Hold On to Arrow, uh, what would you mm -hmm. like to share with people or where would you like to direct them? Oh, well, you can find us on Twitter at Do Not Fail Our Pod. We are, we have finished season five and we are uh, doing some stuff that is season five related before we get to, to season six. So there's some, there's some, some stuff we got to wrap up before we get into the, our preparations for season six. But uh, this is some interesting new territory for us with the show because everybody, everybody loves seasons one and two. They, you know, mixed reviews at best on season three. Everybody hates season four. Season five was like, hey, we're coming back. But even though people have that attitude, a lot of people didn't come back after five. And so there's this little, there's this weird period in season six and seven where not a lot of people who are familiar with the show really watched it except for like the diehard. So uh, it's going to be interesting to rewatch uh, as, as we're going through this. Right on. Well, I hope everyone will check you guys out. Available on all major podcast platforms, and I know you gave your social media handle. So, uh, so I hope everyone will check that out. Thank you, Lance. Thank you, audience. I always appreciate you tuning in. Again, we'll be back in two weeks with an episode on Once and Always. And on that note, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.